Hi, this is Tina. And this is Mia. And you're listening to Yeah, No. The podcast about starting a business at, at the, the intersection, intersection of, of design, design and, and healthcare. healthcare. Whoa, stereo. <laughs> that totally threw me. <laughs> I, I wanted to oh. do it again just so That I was like in ha- a harmony. I know. <laughs> of design <laughs> and healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> So I've been dying to ask you how you like your Peloton. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. It's cool because it's the bike. Yeah. The you can do yoga. yoga. You can do anything. You have got classes that you watch on that I have monitor. not taken one single live class. Really? Not one. See, that for me would be a benefit. I thought that I would take it more, but I can't commit to that level of commitment. Intensity. My level of commitment is just to do it. I can't commit to, oh, at, at 8 a.m. I have to do a class every single oh. Tuesday, you know. I think that if I took a live class, I might feel that way. But I've been motivated fine. And they have, you know. I, I got my own motivation. I got my own motivation. But they have, you know, streaks and things like that, yeah. too. So they show you that kind of, they have badges. So it's been keeping track of your data? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have different profiles, so you, it's just you on there. So, do you connect with other people? I have not connected with one person. I know two people that have it. Yeah. But I haven't ever connected with them. So. And what have you been learning about your behavior? Well, I learned that for about three weeks I didn't do the bike because I threw out my back <laughs> and I was traveling, so that kind of sucked. Okay. But I have hit 25 rides, which I thought was pretty impressive. Woo-hoo! Yeah. And, you know, they have these, like, you have a century rise when you hit your 100th ride. So right. when I hit it, the next milestone is 50, I might try to do it at a live class because, you know, they call you out and stuff like that. So it's like you're part that of the crew. That feels good. Yeah. So I love it. I'm a big fan. If people don't have a Peloton, you should get it. Oh, my gosh. We need some sponsorship. Listen, Peloton. Yes, Peloton. We, we would you take out. your ads and we would, great for we would sing your praises That's right. on Yeah, No Podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stop doing it for free. <laughs> this podcast is too famous to just be touting things for free. You have t- listenership of two, yeah. me and Tina. Yeah. So this is good because this episode today is going to be around privacy and specifically around health data. Sharing your data. Sharing your data. I would not so, want to share my data. I know. Data. It's interesting because you're super into social media yeah, but you can curate that kind of stuff. With Peloton, you can't pick and choose what you put up there. It has to be everything or nothing. Okay. And I don't want people to see how slow I go or how frequently I do it. I know. And right now with privacy and healthcare, we don't control anything. It's, no it's all or nothing, right. right? And so when you go to a doctor's office and you sign over a waiver or when you're online and you sign over you know, something, it's all or nothing. You can't pick and choose. Right. I'm going to start with the story of health. I think it has some interesting parallels to that. Today's story of health is about a guy named Devin. Brought to you by Peloton. If <laughs> <laughs> they have a theme song, we'll put the theme song right there. We met Devin last year, and I loved Devin. He was so sweet. He was young. He was in his 40s. He was soft-spoken, really cared about his family, very considerate, responsible, But Devin was not in good shape. He was 
overweight. He was borderline pre-diabetic and was just really not able to get himself back online. Mm -hmm. And so when we asked Evan about what had happened, he told us this really, really sad story about in the early 2000s, the economy tanked and he lost it all. Mm -hmm. And it was just really humiliating. He was super embarrassed about it. And the worst part is 10 years later, he's still having to deal with it because Devin worked for a pretty high security company. And in order to get the security clearance that he needed to do his job, he has to go through a review every, I don't know, three to five years. And, you know, he just talked about this fact that he's depressed and he knows he's got these health issues, but he's so worried about privacy and having his employer know what's going on. He doesn't want to put anything at risk. That's a lot of the concern about people with privacy. A lot of that is because of their employers. And Right now, I think that the way that it's perceived is that my employment and my health are two separate things, mm -hmm. and they shouldn't impact one another. Right. But we know that that's not true right. from the conversations that we've had with people. Today, we are always thinking about, you know, it's so convenient or it's, it's going to make life so much better to have all of this data about our health, to be able to connect and have all this stuff up in the cloud. But it can also mean a lot of anxiety and worry and concern. Yeah. So right. what we want to talk about is these kind of thorny issues around privacy when it comes to thinking about healthcare and data. Right. How do you think that privacy has changed in healthcare, especially with all of these data breaches and accessibility of, of your healthcare data? Yeah, I mean, I struggle a little bit with each side of the coin because in some ways I feel like the walls are getting thinner, <laughs> I guess, not breaking down, but they're getting thinner, you know, because people are more willing to share in general across the board with anything. You know, there was all these conversations, I think, five years ago or so about people posting on their Facebook that they were going on vacation and then people were basically robbing them because they knew that nobody was home, right? Oh, Lordy. But that's not even a conversation anymore, right. you know? People are posting their cholesterol levels or their heart, right. their high blood pressure or their right. diabetes scores, things like that. Right. And so I think that in some ways they are getting thinner. But in other ways, I also think that privacy is a huge concern. So it just depends on what kind of position that you're in. And I think for the most part, there's two different areas of privacy that we oftentimes talk about. One is between doctor-patient relationship, and then one is this employer, which which is relevant to our story. Right. I would say insurance, too, right. is another one. With insurance companies, people are still worried, as we probably should be, on our toes about what insurance companies know yeah. about us. Yeah. They know a lot. Yeah. Right. And especially in our current healthcare climate, you're never really quite sure what rules are going to be in place, especially since before the Affordable Care Act. A lot of people, including my own mother, got declined for health insurance right. because of a previous existing condition. That's right. And there is value in sharing your health data, right? We talk a lot about self-reflection and how important it is for you to understand what your data is telling you and how seeing your data can also help you to make better decisions because sometimes you might not have known right. that you were actually taking a lot more steps than you were or a lot less steps in my case yeah. than you thought you were. 
Um, or seeing other people's data too as a basis of comparison for right. people who are isolated and they don't know anybody else who has diabetes or they don't know anybody else who has rheumatoid arthritis or right. prostate cancer, which are all areas in which people kind of look at numbers and judge things by their numbers. Right, right. We work in this world where a lot of our projects have been in digital health and looking at interesting ways to help people manage their health in this new world where where there's going to be a lot more sharing. So we do a lot of research with patients asking them, you know, how how willing are you to share your data? And I would say 10 years ago when we were working in diabetes, people were still super skeptical. Like their data was their data and they didn't want it shared with their employer. They didn't want to share it with the healthcare companies. They didn't want to share it with pharmaceutical companies. And now what we found is that people are okay with it. I mean, they don't really feel like they have a choice, right? They're like, it's already out there. It's already being collected. But they really want to know who's getting my data and to what extent is my data being shared and for what purpose. Yeah. And so when they get a waiver or when, when then they get this click here, if you agree, yeah. then they're doing it thinking, if I agree to this, what am I signing up for? Yeah. Right. What have you heard from patients about what's okay and what's not okay, to be more specific? That's a good question. So I think what we've heard is that people are okay with sharing with their doctor. They want to share so that they can get benefit. Yeah. So that's really important, too, is like the doctor needs to do something with that or I have to feel like it has value. They are okay with sharing it with, interestingly enough, companies because they feel like companies have an obligation to help them. Yeah. And and they feel like... Meaning employers. Uh, no, no, no. Like, like private companies oh, like if Amazon or whatever. They're okay with those kind of interactions, right, where you see what I'm buying or whatever because they feel like there's a certain level of accountability that businesses should have. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're okay with employers. I think that's still mixed. And insurance companies are still mixed. They know it's happening, but they, again, they want really want to know what it's being used for. I think they're also willing to share if it's helping somebody else who's also in their situation, which I think is really interesting. <laughs> I don't like sharing my data. Yeah, I know. <laughs> In general, you don't like it. I know. I've never, I, I uh, never wanted to be on Facebook. But you look like looking at other people's data. I guess I do. I don't know. Because why I, are you on Instagram? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm still not completely sold on Instagram either. I still am trying to figure it out. It's for me, Instagram's the safest way to like participate in social media. Why? Well, one, it's image based and you can be a little bit more cryptic. I'm almost to the point where I want to give it up because I'm just not that interested in what people share. Mm -hmm. I have a story about my health data that really turned me off to this idea of sharing. I got a jawbone up. So this is many, many, many years ago. <laughs> You were it was, scarred. You were yeah, it was the first time I had actually like worn a wearable and was super into it because the interface was really good. You know, it had this kind of landscapey thing about your sleep, and I was really interested in my sleep. And I think I had been working a lot and was really trying to exercise, but all this stuff that you wear a wearable for. And then I connected with a friend, and he sent me a note on Jawbone Up one time and was like, "Hey, how come you were up?" a lot last night what were you doing 
And I was like so grossed out by it. I was like, what are you doing looking at my data? And why would you ask me what I'm doing in the middle of the night? But why? It's none of your beeswax. But isn't it the same if, if you posted something to Instagram and then I texted you and was like, hey, what are you, what party are you at or whatever? I don't know. I mean, I think it's a little bit different than like broadcasting. I think because you're when you're sharing your data with someone, you know, at that time it was like to compete or to, you know, like Nike Plus. It was like right. so that you guys could support each other or whatever. Not so you could look at my data and judge me for my evening activities. <laughs> How did you know that he was judging you? It just felt judgy. <laughs> it felt like. He was like, you were up for two hours. What were you doing? I think you need to go to social media therapy. (laughs) (laughs) It would help you. No, I do understand, though. I mean, I I think that you have to pick and choose the things that you're okay with sharing, of course. And I think that one of the things that we're a little bit concerned about right now, looking into the future, is also... What if that person who, you know, saw your sleep data was your employer? I would tell them that I was working all night. Right, right. They see and they what you know <laughs> or what if they thought that you were partying all night and then you came in yeah, late to work the next day. Where I get a little uncomfortable or a lot uncomfortable is just the fact that in some ways it's great that we've got new players in healthcare. There's, you know, Amazon pairing with Berkshire Hathaway. There's Walmart with Humana. There's Apple developing their own wellness centers for their employees. You know, so it's great because a lot more funding, a lot more thinking will go into this. But I worry about who gets to design those those services and those products and who's going to actually get access to that data and for what purpose are they going to use that data for? Do we know what we're getting into, I guess? Yeah, but in some ways, it's like our data is floating around everywhere. I have a Match.com account that's probably still live in Match.com, even though I haven't been on it in 15 years. You have Jawbone data that is still up in Jawbone's cloud somewhere. Still up in there. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that idea of data, too, it just becomes much more loose, like what happened with Facebook, right? People were upset, sure, that their data had been shared. Yeah. But then there were also a lot of people who were kind of just... What ifs? What what am I going to do about that? I know. We have to put some parameters on health data and privacy and, and figure out how to design it in in a way that protects people. It's not like social media data. It's people's health. So what's the future, you think, of this privacy situations that we have? Hmm. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Why are you so mad about it? <laughs> Why are you so... Let's talk. I'm just let's like talk through this. cautiously pessimistic. No. <laughs> cautiously pes- pessimistic. pessimistic. Um, I don't think that's a thing. I always feel like what happens is, especially when tech's involved, they'll just keep pushing, pushing, pushing for stuff without really considering what's going to happen because that's the model, right? What's your biggest fear about privacy? Well, it's being redefined right now. So what's your biggest fear about that? My biggest fear is that it is not going to be thought of inclusively because that data is power that it will be used by a certain group to the exclusion of other people. And I think that when we're looking at health data, particularly 
it is really powerful, but we need to make sure that it represents everyone and that everyone gets access to these things, that not one group gets better services than the other because, you know, it's already unequal. And so hopefully, my hope is that technology will be used to help level the playing field a little bit more. What you're saying is that it's already happening right now. And so I guess I just don't see that as being privacy related. I see that as being kind of a larger systemic problem that there are going to be issues. But I guess I just don't, because I'm more optimistic about it. I just, I'm having a hard time seeing like why privacy will make that worse or exacerbate that already existing problem. We have to allow people to understand what their information is being used for. Mm -hmm. And that takes some responsibility and you have to be thoughtful about it. And I don't think that we can just assume that if we make it for everyone, it's going to serve everyone equally. Sure, it's just not no. the way systems work. It's a systemic problem, and it is bigger than just privacy, but I do think that privacy is a big part of it when it comes to healthcare data. Why are you optimistic? <laughs> I guess I'm just more optimistic because I feel like there are a lot of old institutional roadblocks that are in the way that are a challenge because of privacy has created this. My classic example is just even the doctor-patient relationship. This hierarchy has always been in play where the doctor tells you everything. The doctor knows best. The doctor does all these things. But with the growth of access to information, but then also just being able to share your data that you've captured between the doctor's visits. Right. The patients are, they're leveling the field a little bit more. And I think that that is a classic example of that roadblock just kind of coming down because there's more access to data and there's a, an ability to be able to share it. I was reading an article about this and this one physician kind of said it really well. It's like they see you 1% of your whole entire lifetime. Right. And they're expected to make these decisions about your health. Right. And so when people can have access to their data, like their blood glucose monitoring yeah. system, then they can make better decisions and yeah. that relationship changes. It's a small thing, but it's yeah. I think that it's really positive and can kind of help with, with managing care a lot better. Yeah. It's funny because you're normally the optimistic person and I'm normally the pessimistic person. So it's just funny that in this situation, our, our roles are reversed. <laughs> I've all, you know me, I've always been very skeptical about social media too, yeah. for those very reasons. And just to close, we're going to see more of the privacy issues coming up. And it'll be interesting to see how people address it. And I do think it's a it's a design problem that we need to figure out how to incorporate the perspectives of the people that are the end users of it, um, that really it can help. Like your example of if we want people to have more accountability, then showing them their data is important. But we have to support them in that, too. Yeah. You know. And I also feel that we're in a really interesting time because there's these things that, with privacy and healthcare that are happening, but in parallel, there are these social determinants that are also changing around, right. yeah. you know, access to internet and things like that. So it's like, because those things are happening at the same time, yeah. they're going to influence each other. Whereas if healthcare was trying to change on its own, just without anything happening yeah. in the kind of society environment, yeah. it might be a lot harder. Yeah. I am optimistic that change is good, that yeah. healthcare has to change and it's going to change. It's just, I think we need to 
make sure that it's changing in the ways that are most helpful for patients. Yeah, we're going to do our best from the design perspective to do that. For sure, for sure. Stay tuned for the next episode. They're related. I think it might be an interesting back-to-back listen. Artificial intelligence. Yeah. How are they related, do you think? Uh, They're both creepy. (laughs) From the US perspective. Yep, and so if you're interested in subscribing to Yeah No, you should. You can find us on the web, yeahnopodcast.com, and you can also find us on Insta. Please leave a review. And you should leave us a review. Our theme song is written and performed by Chess Smith. And Yeah No is recorded at Figure Eight Studios. Today we're with the lovely Lily. Lily Wen. And this episode was edited by Tori Flack. Thanks for listening. Bye.